This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to this lovely sunny Wednesday night for a change uh, with the Twilight Show tonight with me, Hannah Wilson. Tonight, I'm going to be joined by Anthony Harwood, who is a science lead practitioner, and we're going to be discussing all things head of department, how to be a good head of department, and how to manage a team and how they're the key to success in the school. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. Tony, can you hear me? I can. Um, can you hear me? I can. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you for joining me on my show tonight. I feel like this is this is exactly what Teachers Talk Radio is about. You were, I think, listening to one of Tom's shows and you were like, oh, I wouldn't mind coming on one. And I went, oh, I, I spot that Norwich City logo. It's got to be my show. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I'm just hoping I can add a little bit of a, a value, um, little little bit of imposter syndrome at the moment as it's the first time I've done this. But um yeah let's hope let's hope we can um spark some debate anyway i just think it's 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 one of those that teachers those conversations where teachers are kind of engaging and having chats and stuff and that's where uh kind of great things come from so i'm i'm sure there'll be lots of good things um, to talk about do you want to kind of introduce yourself and kind of your background in teaching uh yeah absolutely yes um well i've been in the job it's easy to lose count isn't it i think it's 22 years now um started in uh 2001 i think it was um and that's when i started my nqt year anyway so um and i trained up in yorkshire in hull um in some interesting schools up there um and but i've spent most of my career split between norfolk um and essex i've more recently drifted down south to Essex um, and and done a few jobs down there. Um, but I've I've had a sort of variety of roles, a sort of middle leader level, um, did two years as a head of faculty um, at, at Norfolk Academy um, as well. So, um, and I've been second in department in quite a big department, department up until over the last three years through, through the lockdown and, um, and new job uh coming up in september so quite excited for that as well so a brand new role um for september so yeah i've 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 been around a little bit and seen some changes so i mean even in that it relative well some may say relatively short time or i'm not sure <laughs> depending on who who's listening and and so on um but yeah it's I, I feel like i've seen a few a few changes in that time a few a few interesting things so um, yeah, I hope that's sort of an, enough background. Really, obviously, I'm a it's I'm a scientist. Um, biology is my specialism, but these days, as, as scientists will tell you, we're expected usually to teach um, across all three specialisms, and of course, depending very much on the school. Um, 
it's 11 to 11 to 18 was the school I, that I was teaching at so a little bit of a level that means that you, obviously you'd stick a little bit more in your specialism uh, but actually it's quite interesting as well to teach across all three all three subjects so as it as I go into September in a smaller school smaller academy um, yeah it, it will be across all three all three specialisms and I think only a small number of students actually studying triple science in in September so um yeah so so quite a few experience of quite some quite varied schools as well so i've taught at very small leafy suburban village sort of schools as well and also some inner city uh areas too so both within uh, a colchester school and a school in norwich um as well so um city uh, city academy that was when i was in norwich uh so I will, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be controversial, but I probably will leave the name <laughs> of some of the <laughs> some of the schools out. Well, I think uh, it's that, isn't it? Like the way departments are run vary depending on the on the type of school that it's it it's kind of is. But I think it's that experience of kind of having being in different schools makes you a good head of department. And I think a lot of people, that's the controversial bit, isn't it? Already I'm going in um, that when like kind of NQTs and stuff are made head of departments and they haven't had that experience, they haven't been to different schools and they haven't necessarily kind of engrossed yeah. themselves in kind of different situations that can, can I'm going to throw it straight at you. Can somebody that hasn't got the experience of multiple kind of schools and multiple departments be a good head of department? That's a really good question, actually. Um, it's not. It's it's not a straightforward one. I, I'm. I mean, I'm glad you've said what you've said in terms of the of the variety. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously they can, um, because obviously, if it, when you've got the skills to do a particular role, if you've got those skills, you're gonna you're gonna be successful. Depending on obviously your ability to 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 learn on the job and to. You know, if you're overconfident, you're then not in a position to learn, are you? But I think the issue is when you get what I would call, and again, <laughs> maybe controversial, but what I would call career teachers. Um, if you're if you're prepared to sometimes, I'm sort of trying to think of the word. If, if you're given some feedback, take on board that feedback uh, yeah. in, in right in the right sort of way. If you're that sort of person, well, you've got to be anyway. So I think even if you haven't experienced lots of schools, if, if you know a school really well, um, I, I do think you, you then become part of the furniture at that school, don't you? And, and I think that's also powerful because the, the, the students know you, you know the school inside out, you probably know many, many of the parents. So I think, you know, it, it's the swings and roundabout situation, isn't it? Um, yeah, and it's and it's a balance between the two, but having that experience outside other schools, you've just you've just seen a bit more of a range of different situations that might then help you if something comes up that you've not experienced before. So yeah, and I guess it's, it's, that, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? If if you've if you've ended up in that situation and and something arises that does make you feel out of depth, it's it's finding the right people in the school to talk to and where to kind of go. F- for advice as opposed to ploughing on and hoping (laughs) hoping that it'll all work out in the end exactly and i mean i'm back to square one obviously in september um and like you say if if you are that teacher who've who's stuck to one school and worked their way up to slt in that school you know that school so well so um but for me 
I'm starting again. I'm going into a role where I will be expected eventually to to manage other people, maybe to to watch lessons, to sort of provide feedback to people who and, and to them. I'm just a, the Johnny come lately, aren't I? So, um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those situations. I do think there's obviously pros and cons of both. So how would you, going into a new role, uh, approach kind of taking over a new team where you don't really know any of the teachers within your department? Um, I, th- I lost you a little bit there for the question, but I think I got the gist of it. So, so how, um, what would I do going into a new department and, and getting the... Um, yeah, getting know, the to rest- know the team. What is, what's kind of first on your agenda? I mean, if any of your new team are listening, I'm giving it away, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know. The interesting thing is that the advantage I've got is that four of the team, including me, are brand new. Oh, um, so that gives me an advantage. But I think generally, you, you earn that respect, I think, by just show that you are passionate and that you are doing a good job yourself um i I mean i do i have been led by people before who feel the need felt the need to remind me all the time how hard they worked and how effective they were and i'm thinking well you don't need to tell me if because we'll know um so i think it's really modeling modeling really isn't it what the sort of standards you expect i suppose and, and the sort of um things that you expect and I think if you try too hard, maybe people will, you know, people will, will call you out or, or notice that. I think it's just a case of showing that you are going to do the, the best that you can and that you are going to put the time and the effort in. And I think people will appreciate that then and and you will get that that buy-in. And that, that's the thing that I sort of bore people with if they ask me about um leading other people is is you know my biggest thing um is is buy-in um and i can't you know again i don't speak as an expert in in any way shape or form um but that's always been my way if if the team can see what you're trying to achieve then even if they don't fully agree with it i think they will try and come on board because they realize that you've you've diagnosed something you've identified something that you want to to work on and promote and and that's what i've found is that people will go with you if if you get an element of buy-in from them yeah you've got you've got to kind of show your purpose and show your worth and also like there's there's that aspect isn't it if you if you've got the theory and the evidence to back it up as well that always helps because when i went into my school the results were quite poor for my department and i came in and brought in whole new schemes of work and we went from kind of minus one to plus one in a year um but I was like you've just got to go with me everything's done for you that I'm not adding to your workload and that's quite a key one um but like it will make a difference like it the the way I I do very knowledge based it's very different to kind of how most people teach art uh we start with the kind of the theory and then build it upon it so they kind of understand the basis of it I always argue with the science teachers about color but um (laughs) but it's kind of nice having those kind of that backing if you can get that backing and they believe you and you have you can be like look this is this is going to give good results trust me kind of look here is here are the blocks that I've built and this is why I'm doing it. This is how I'm doing it. And really kind of rather than being kind of like, oh, well, this is what we're going to do. Tough if yeah. you don't like it kind of thing. It's that kind of getting that buy-in, isn't it? Exactly that. Yeah. And and, and it's a balance, isn't it? Because obviously you are leading the department, so you do need to be stew to be leading them. But 
But I think with most, I mean, I, I might have just been lucky in my career. The, the people who I've managed have, have, have generally been top notch. Um, and anything sort of challenges I've had might be with teachers who, who just need a bit of extra support, who maybe just need a bit more confidence, have maybe sort of lost their way a little bit in, in certain aspects. Um, but like you say, I've, I've never, I mean, again, I might get controversial, you may well disagree with me, but there's a, there's certain phrases in in education that, that really grate and grind on me. And, and one of the ones that I still hear now is hold to account. People will say to me, you've got to hold this member of staff to account. Um, and I think I understand what they're trying to say to me, but I think that can be interpreted as, um, for example, I'm, I'm going to give you a task, I'm going to set you a deadline, and if you don't meet that deadline, I'm going to come down on you like a ton of bricks sort of thing. Whereas my personal feeling is that in the role that we do, the, the stress really and you know the the thing that gives us a sense of excitement because it is a challenge is when we're in the classroom and yeah. when we're in the classroom there's going to be challenge i mean that's that's you know let, let's make no bones about it especially post covid it's going to be challenging in that classroom isn't it in in probably in most schools across the country so there's for me there's already enough challenge and in the job without me adding to it as a leader um and, think, and that's what yeah. i always think I think that's really interesting because I like I've talked about it on my other shows that like there's always like that human aspect can get lost quite a lot and the fact that you you don't know what's going on with that person the day that you've gone in to look at them it could be that something's happened at home and everything's fallen apart but they're they're, they're keeping it together and got to work and are trying mm -hmm. to get through the day but they've not told anybody and and it's it's that kind of everyone's allowed an off day nobody's gonna have Ofsted amazing lessons every day five lessons a day and things like that and the same as on, on the flip side in terms of what you talked about kind of workload like I try and make sure anything that I introduce is is to reduce workload like there should be a work-life balance and in, and things like if I'm doing really? it and I'm finding it hard to fit in that time then gosh an NQT or, or an early career teacher is going to really struggle kind of with that if I'm struggling yeah. so it, it's kind of you've got a gauge if just because you find it easy doesn't mean other people will Exactly. And then that's the thing. I mean, I, I, um, I'm sure you're aware, um, Mr. Strickland, um, who, who, who regularly posts and, and pretty much everything he says, I, I just so wholly agree with. So the strict Strickermeister, um, he'll, he said just that recently, it needs to be, it needs to be a situation where an ECT could walk into a classroom and, and teach that lesson, um, w with some degree of, of, uh, uh success kind of thing so yeah i think it's all about put you know putting staff in that position where you can there's only so much you can do as a middle leader obviously and uh, the, the um might... the, the bonus extra person or oh, should i say i'll just give my football wrestling bonus player it's, it's like like the crowd but the bonus player in your in your department is actually the cover supervisors if you can get them in on your side and get them to be able to understand your lessons it will make life way easier i had unfortunately when i first started my department i had a couple of staff leave at christmas i think it was kind of they'd already decided they were leaving and i arrived and then uh so i ended, and we couldn't hire anybody so we ended up having cover for two terms and i wrote all the lessons so all the cover teachers could teach it and they were like oh my gosh this is so easy to follow this is great and like mm. and it didn't disadvantage the students so 
I think it's also don't forget your department extends past your initial people. I mean, you've got your science technician, I've got my art technician, but it's the people outside of it as well. It's not just your kind of inner little people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, and again, I think a lot of schools are in that position, aren't they, where there is some element of uh, temporary or, or cover staff around. Um, but we tend to be quite lucky. The people who come in to do that are absolute diamonds. I mean, I know a particular guy, I won't mention him by name, but he's come in to sort of help us recently as an ex-head teacher himself. Uh, and it's just a case of we can give him the resources, we can show him where our resources are. And, and he can run with it um so so he he very much became part of the of the team so yeah it, do, it does make a lot of sense and i think it's that isn't it it's, it's it's if you're to be a good head department is to have things up your sleeve and have things planned like i always have at least one or two lessons booked into my kind of termly curriculum because i know that the odds are that somebody's going to be off sick and i need something that isn't going to take me as head of department loads of time to sort out and print out and and sort but it's there and easy, easy to find, easy to cover, already written out. You don't want to be doing it as uh, like kind of 10 o'clock at night when someone's texting you saying their kid's vomiting or or <laughs> they've ended up in hospital or what have you. You, you. you want something at your fingertips. Like having that preparation is going to make your life as a head of department much easier long term, especially with the kind of the way cover and things are going these days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've tried some different things. Something that we tried last year with a little bit of success was we wrote a series of skills lessons um, that would fit in anywhere within our scheme, um, and we fully resourced those with all of the you know the answers and everything else. Because that's the other thing. It, quite often, if if covers set, it will be questions in a book, but uh, quite a lot of our cover staff want to go through the answers with the students during the lesson, um, so. You know, we, we do try to provide that as well. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Planning planning is such a big aspect um, of it. Um, having that, you know, having that up your sleeve, it, it does make a huge difference, definitely. And in terms of how do you get your kind of team to like help with planning? Because that can be something quite difficult or daunting if you're a new head of department, how to get perhaps people in your team that might be more experienced than you to kind of, like join in and collaborate and and make them because if they have like a slight ownership with it they can they can kind of help and build it then they're more likely to kind of help and it's going to work better as a team yeah definitely i mean it's again depending on on who they are for, for the for the younger teachers and the ECTs it's very much if you can give them obviously they've got a lot on anyway so the first job is to make sure that they can you know cope with any any extra thing but but for them it might just be something useful that they can say that they've been involved with something that they can take a little bit of ownership of as they make that step up to a possible TLR in the future just having something that they can sort of make theirs and certainly with the um the teachers who are on UPS, that's another little trick uh, that my, my ex-head head of department would say, that the people on the, UP, uh, on the UPS scale should really have a little bit more sort of uh, ownership of what's going on in the department. And again, maybe I've been very lucky because I don't think I've really been in many situations. I have had people in the past who have said, oh, do, we have, do I have to do that? Do I really have to do that? Um, but again, it once you've got that buy-in, once, like you alluded to um, earlier on, once you teachers buy into what you're trying to do, they see that down the line, it's going to help them. And once they realise that that's the case, 
you know they, they will pull together in my experience once they realize what your your end game is I think they will and I guess pull. as well it, it goes on to what you were saying earlier about kind of feedback we haven't talked quite about that yet but in also in terms of them being able to feedback to you in terms of how they think what worked and what didn't especially if you're trying new things like if they feel open enough to be able to talk to you about things then it, it's it's it then becomes this two-way conversation like it's it, we're all learning we're all developing and it becomes this slightly safer conversation to have yes definitely um yeah and i, I do think that's really important as well um because the people who know best what's going on is is the people at the chalk face, isn't it? Um, and I think again, it's that balance of listening to that feedback, isn't it? You you can't just be here's how we doing it. I'm the line manager, so here's what you need to do, and that's the end of it. I think, like you say, you've got to have those two way conversations, and a, a team of people will have such a myriad of skills across that team, um, at different levels of experience, and you've. You've really got to sort of harness that, I think, haven't you? Everyone's got something to bring to the table. So I think it's, it's obviously important to know know your department really well, who's got those strengths, in what areas are those strengths going to be. Um, I mean, my when I was head of department, um, I did just focus on on the boring stuff. For it, and I had an excellent second in, in, in science who did everything, um, all of the the extra things let's say so for example um open evening she was all over open evening we we had i've never seen anything like it we had um a harry potter themed open evening we had smoke machines we had colored lights we had all these different experiments that were linked um to, to different sort of aspects and um characters within harry potter and then the following year she did superheroes um so i think once you know that somebody has got a skill set um again they're likely to want to take ownership of where their strengths are really um and and then it it just that that's what's worked for me in the past knowing people's strengths but i like i like that bit i like the bit where your department shows off to outside of your department if that makes sense that the kind mm. of i i very i pride myself on the fact that uh for open evening, I came up with a genius idea of laser cutting our own rulers um, and kind of having them all branded for our department and um, had that going and the kids could come in and pick the rulers that they wanted. And then all of a sudden maths were over going, uh, can you laser cut us some rulers? We'd quite like some of those. Um, <laughs> and and it's that kind of that. And I, I used to have a bit of a Twitter off with the uh, drama department. So our school's website used to have whichever tweet mentioned the school would be top and, and would be the first thing you see when you join the school website at the bottom and so we would have a bit of a competition as to who would be on top of the twitter feed um and it's like we'd have to knock each other off and things but it's it's nice to kind of promote your department and it makes i guess Absolutely. that's the thing as well sometimes we can get a little bit bogged down in the negatives but actually seeing the positive of your team and kind of the impact that you can have on, on a school and and kind of those different things. I had a, a kid just before the summer holidays, which was the best way to end it, won um, a drawing competition and we had Preet Chandy in and talk about her uh, Guinness World Record for the furthest solo trek um, across Antarctic. And it was just, 
like for for that tiny little competition to spread into this and I had all the geography teachers wanting to come in and listen to it and it's mm. and it's 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 that thing isn't it that actually you are although you are a department you are a, a school ultimately and it's nice when it kind of feeds beyond that and you kind of have this team that really kind of engage the students but also you can show show off how well you're doing as a as a as a team yeah absolutely and because we are quite insular as our faculties and our departments aren't we as well at times and that's sort of day to day that's really how it has to be isn't it um but it's just nice to know a little bit about what goes on in other departments isn't it and it always surprises me how much overlap there is between uh, curriculum um we've got overlap for example with history history do um they do the history of medicine which overlaps quite a lot with what we do um pe obviously is a massive amount of overlap with biology um, maths um geography do quite a bit of geology in fact I, I would accuse geography of nicking some of our geology, but let's not go there <laughs> from our from our, our curriculum. Um, I don't want to upset. Yeah, I don't want to upset anyone there. Um, but yeah, when you actually, if there is any way that you sort of can come together, or like you say, promote your promote your department outside um, outside the department, it, it yeah, it's something really interesting. And I always really used to look forward to when you get to wander around the school at open evening because um, we had a head teacher previously I can't remember which one it was now but they'd always said to, they'd always say to us make sure you wander around at open evening go and have a look at what other departments are doing and it's a real eye-opener because obviously usually we don't know do we unless we've been to cover yeah. a lesson which again is one, let's not say that too loud but that's one sometimes an advantage of doing a cover lesson is you, you get to see some quite interesting things that goes on around the school but yeah we are very insular aren't we and I don't know whether that's you know, again, as, as I've been teaching longer, um, when I started my career, the, the staff room was the place where everybody would be, pretty much. Um, and I don't know if it's just how things have gone or the design of school buildings, but it seems to have become a, a, a little bit more insular in terms of, or maybe it's a science thing, maybe it's just... A... That was going to be my question. I was going to ask you, do you eat with your department and no one else? Because <laughs> my science department only, well, there's a couple that have deviated out and have now eat with us, oh. but majority of the time they all eat together and I never see them. Oh, I've got to be honest, we aren't good for that, are we, in science? And and it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's probably a bit of a... Uh, it's probably me pigeonholing a bit here, isn't it? But, um, yeah, we do tend to sort of stick together and stick with the people that we know, so... But I, th I think that's an everybody thing. Like, I stick with art and DT, but the, since mm. they changed one of the DT rooms to a science lab, now the science have started coming over to us. And it's really interesting talking to different people. And prior to that, when I was new at the school, I made friends with the drama teachers. So, and she was in a diff, we had different staff rooms. So I would make sure once a week I went and ate in that staff room. And that was kind of maths and languages and drama. So it was, and then once a week I ate in a different block, which was all the cover teachers and English teachers and geography and history teachers. And then the rest yeah. of the week I kind of eat with my department. But it was, I find, especially as a head of department or even a new teacher, that would be one of my tips to go and try and at least once a week go and eat somewhere else. So either you're bumping into other head mm -hmm. departments and you're kind of keeping on track of the things that you should be doing that you've maybe forgot because you only had those meetings like once a term and you forget what it was that you should be doing. But also you kind of 
see where other if other departments or other areas of the school are having the same feeling about the school the same feeling towards yeah. the children like yeah. if, if your department's just having a bit of a tough time in terms of a certain class is everyone else having the same kind of issue with that class because that always feels a little bit more reassuring when you're like oh it's not just me <laughs> it's like everyone well, else absolutely. as well yes absolutely yeah i think you're right and i don't know again whether you know it it's a, a, a sort of a time constraint for some people, but I do think it's worth the time to do it. I'd, I don't think I've ever been off and spoken to people I don't normally speak to and, and sort of regretted it. It's always completely the, the the opposite to that. I mean, for the school I've just finished working at is is huge. It's uh, it's one thousand eight hundred in total students, yeah. um, if you include include the sixth form. Um, so it's massive, and it's a split site school as well. Um, so actually, there, there'd be people who. I don't know who they are and I don't I've never seen them before or I might have seen just sort of them in passing and you know just sort of said hello but but that's about it and actually I think if you do know a bit more people a few more people it I don't know it, it does help it, it definitely does help if you can obviously um some when you when you do your training and your whole staff PD I know that some people have cottoned on to this and and they actually force teachers to mix <laughs> um and and i do and i do think that can be quite uh yeah quite useful yeah i completely agree with that in terms of kind of like cpd then in in terms of it, it varies from school to school as to, to what they do but i think like in terms of i think basically the the middle leaders are the cogs of the school. They're the ones that really have the most influence because yeah. they're feeding everything back to SLT who aren't really on the like in lessons that regularly still teaching. And they're the ones that are feeding everything back. If you, if you have a bad head department that's not feeding that back both ways appropriately, then then that can really affect kind of results and a school and things. So it's, I think having yeah. middle leaders are that cog that have to keep going and that have to um, work really well. And I think how do mm. you... Do you think the best kind of ways that kind of things are relayed to middle leaders, if that makes sense? And then how do you kind of feed the information down, if that makes sense, that way? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question because just sort of ge a general point sort of on on how schools run. I mean, um, schools used to be, we went through a period, it felt to me, where schools were very top down in terms of teaching and learning. Um, and, and it's very much driven by that one person on SLT who was teaching and learning. And obviously, that's still a very important role. But it seems to me now that it is coming more from the middle than it ever has been. And obviously, with with the introduction of the deep dives and, and the way that Ofsted are looking at the school. And I do feel that SLT in recent years have given a lot more leeway. And I think there's um, research that backs this up. I'm not a big one for looking into research. But I remember being told by a previous head teacher that they they tend to allow the middle leaders to take ownership a lot more of the teaching and learning. So the policies, for example, um, I'm probably not answering your question yet. I'm no, 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 I'm, I'm, I will, I'm with you. I will one, circle yeah. back around, but it's just because you touched on something that I did think of, you know, earlier this afternoon that I did want to sort of bring up, um, which is this idea that, you know, middle leaders now have that ownership. And I think that really does empower those middle leaders because they, you know, we're not fitting, we're not trying to fit what we want to do into the confines of the whole school um, very strict whole school policy, if that makes sense. Um, so in, in terms of that, in terms of feeding down, sorry, getting back to your question, I think 
it, it, it's a lot more effective now because that feeding down is um, more of a general theme. So we, you know, we want you to try this, and 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 that's what's fed down. But what they will say to us then is, right here, here is what we want to promote in the school, um, and it's a rose and shine is is something that that that's been mentioned quite a lot. Yeah. Um, by our SLT generally, the, the principles of instruction, which I think people are really starting to buy into now because we've, we've actually done some really good CPD on it. But anyway, um, we, we then have the opportunity to actually sit as a faculty and think, right, how can we take this forward? What are we going to do? And that's what I think the change has been since, because again, I, I'm going to say something potentially controversial, but I do think education lost its way a little bit um, in the late 2000s and the early 2010s, that, that sort of time when we went very academy, very academized. Um, and, and I think we became very top down because people were saying, right, here's what we've got to do. You've got to do this. And schools had very sort of, I don't, I don't want to say regimented, but they had very specific ways that they want thing, they wanted things done. And what was happening was SLT were top down saying, right, here's what I want you to do. Here's what your lesson's going to look like. You need to do five minutes on this. You need to do mini plenaries. You need to do A, B, C and D. And that, I think, was the problem. It wasn't necessarily that it was lost in translation. I think it was that middle leaders were coming back and saying, you know what? I don't think that's going to work for us because how we teach in science is very different to, I don't know, how you teach in drama or art or, or whatever, if that makes sense. I mean, there's obviously fundamentals that, that are similar, um, but I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, so no, you it, completely are. Because uh, when, like, it's that difference. Of, uh, the, the, I was at a very, very big, very kind of well-known trust and, and it was that whole thing of, right, everyone needs to all do the exact same kind of way of marking we all need to mark kind of our books once Absolutely. once a fortnight and it's like well english are, are teaching like what three four lessons on the for the same group i've got six i've got that's six if they if they do kind of two classes of sit of um with three lessons a for the, over the two weeks and what have you, I'm, I'm teaching six classes in to their two lots of marking. I've got six lots to do. And it just, mm -hmm. and, it, and we were just constantly trying to hammer out, trying to keep up. And it, yes. it just, it just didn't, didn't work. And it seems like, same as the way people assess, like the, even, even further into it, it's like, oh, well, we, everyone's going to do this color pen and everyone's got to mark it like this. And it's like, oh, well, that doesn't work yeah. for us. Like I, yeah. I remember there was, I had one, HDMI um, ex inspector come in and they he was trying to teach us how to document our marking and they wanted us to take a picture of the kids drawing, then oh, feedback to the kids, <laughs> then the kids improved the drawing and then we had to take a picture of it afterwards and then get them to then get them to explain how they'd done it and then photograph it and I was like I don't have the time to photograph every child's picture before and after they've improved it. It's just not physically possible within my day. Wow, but I, mean, it, that, it, that's I, I know exactly I mean... the period of time you're talking about in teaching and it was just that kind of that constant <laughs> like need to show evidence wasn't it um oh, and I think no. that's yeah relax and that when I moved to my current school and they went yeah here's here's the old assessment policy but like these bits have to stay in this is what everyone's got but the rest of it you can make up your own and it has to fit yeah. with the department and there was that comments and conversations and it, and it wasn't just a like well I'm going to do this they was like well why and and that I think that's quite nice that kind of conversation as to well why are you going to do that how does that work and and 
it's it's getting that thing of like you said with the deep dive so anybody that's listening that's a new middle leader and kind of going what do i need to do um it's that kind of thing with the deep dives of um making sure your senior leadership know exactly what you're teaching and why you're teaching and why you've constructed mm. your curriculum like that and yeah. the other end is that you're team are going to say the same thing and your students are going to say the same thing from somebody that's been deep dive recently um so it was it was for me it was really great that they went and asked me leadership they came and spoke to me i told them they went and asked my team they said the same thing and then they interviewed the students and i was very lucky enough i was able to sit in and listen to the students and they reeled off the same thing so it's it's everyone's on the same page and it it's that flow but you've got the autonomy within your department but you need to make sure you're able to explain it to everybody in in the in the chain if you've got one loose link <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, then it's absolutely. kind of all resting on that person yes absolutely but i mean that is yeah i i don't think i've worked in a department since the deep dives come in it sounds like what you've done there is a little bit ahead of sort of where we've got to but that that is the ideal isn't it like you say where everyone's buying into that curriculum intent and um and people can talk about sort of the thinking and the and the methodology behind how you how you do things um yeah that's the ideal but but like you say it is it's not top down um, i don't think the top down thing really worked and I, i'm really glad that we seem to have moved beyond that now um in education whereby we are as middle leaders we are empowered um and we are in a position where we can we can tailor it because at the end of the day when you appoint a middle leader they are the ex- are the expert that's why you've appointed that person um and if you're then going to micromanage what they do that's obviously you know it, it it's it's counterintuitive to to why you've appointed that individual in the per- in the first place isn't it um so yeah it it does make a lot of sense so in terms of move um passing down that information i think it works a lot better now because we're empowering middle leaders rather than micromanaging them and in terms of kind of thinking in terms of that kind of feedback and kind of how you keep track of your team what do you think has been the best kind of ways because i know there's that like obviously kind of massive like in like observation with grades like that's all gone but yeah which do you have you felt is the most effective or do you think we've kind of i'm not sure whether we quite nailed that yet in education but no, uh, we kind haven't. of how we kind of look at it yeah it's no we haven't and again it's funny you should mention that i was thinking about it um today because again we went through a phase and and i don't want to you know, I, I, again, I, I don't want to be sort of controversial about this, but I do think teaching has learned some lessons. We, we went through a phase where people were scared of observations because of what they knew the result of that observation will be. Um, grading a lesson was an absolutely crazy way to do it. And I think we all agree now that that was such a big mistake. But unfortunately, you do still have some staff who fear that process. Whereas I think we need to take that fear away and maybe try to normalise yeah. people being in lessons. Because actually, I feel it's a real benefit for anyone else to be in a lesson, whether it's a, a member of SLT, whether it's a head of faculty, whether it's uh, an, an, an ECT, just popping in, saying hello. Um, I'm not saying we should be wandering in and out of lessons and disturbing the learning, but what I'm saying is we need we need to try and promote that feeling that someone coming into the room is 
you know it is a normal thing it's not it's not a negative um and and i think that's that's where it comes in so so the lear- you know the learning walk can work really well if if it's done in a in a constructive way um I mean, how our school works at the moment is we still do a formal observation once a year for performance management. Um, but after than that, it, it is learning walks, it is popping in, it, it's sharing um, practice. So I think turning it into a positive, we've, we've got to, because it is a positive when it's done properly, isn't it? Um, you know, and the other thing is if someone's coming into my lesson, the students know people are, are, are going to pop in. That can be quite powerful as well yeah you know if, if if you know if if the assistant head teacher pops in and says yeah you're okay sir um and i say well yeah i'm okay but could you just have a word with you know could you just have a little word here quickly and and, and if the students see that i I, it, I can't see anything but a positive coming from it so i think we need and i agree with you we haven't quite got it right yet have we um and it's not an easy one to solve because obviously we've got to work within the agreements from the unions in terms of observations. But, um, yeah, I think it, it needs to be seen as a positive thing and, and sharing because we get into a bit of a uh, – and, and I speak for myself here uh, – we, we get into a bit of a groove, into a bit of a rut with our teaching where we we may be not stepping outside what we do on a day-to-day and actually seeing other practice – we can learn so much from other practice, whether it's a more experienced teacher than us or whether it's an ECT. We, there's always something that, that we can learn. We're always learning. I think we need to remember that we're always learning. I, I completely agree. I really like the idea. Of, I'm very much a, a similar, like a flip kind of thing with observations. Like at a previous school that I worked at, um, I happened to have the classroom next to the deputy head and he would just wander in, wander around and wander out. I'm like, oh, oh my God, what what, yeah. what did he yeah. see? What did he think? And like for, for ages, I, and then I think after like the fifth time, I was like, right, are you going to give me any feedback? And he's like, no, I just wander in and out. If I had anything I was worried about, I'll come and chat to you, but I just wander in and out. And it, and I, it was just a change in my mentality. I'm like, oh, okay, this is normal. And it was very yeah. much promoted to go in and go wander around each other's lessons and, and kind of have that kind of shared ownership. And I think, like you said, it's, especially with kind of early careers teachers and things like that, to take that pressure away and it be this positive experience. Like, I'm just going to wander in. It's not formal. You're more than welcome to come and wander in my lesson. I don't mind. But also that kind of supportive conversation of... Um, mm explaining it to slt that person is struggling with that class if you happen to be walking past can you stick your head in and sometimes having that little just oomph and i've had that literally at the end of the term with a teacher that's far more experienced than me in my department but she had one class and she just couldn't hack them and was really struggling with them and i just mentioned to slt and she was happy for me to mention it and they kind of like if any of us were free when they were teaching, because I wasn't. So people were able to kind of just stick their head in and it just, it's just that support. So you feel like you're not alone. Exactly. Um, And it, and it doesn't, it doesn't take much, does it? That's the other thing. It, it, it only takes a a little thing, you know, popping in. And I think it's the idea that when someone comes in, let's, I mean, again, tell me if I'm just speaking for myself here, but, there was a time in my career where someone come in and my immediate thought was scrutiny. I'm being scrutinized from the moment they come into the moment they leave. I've got to be on my game. I've got to be at my best. Um, Whereas we need to change that. We need to shift that focus to actually I'm coming in to see if you're okay. I'm coming in to support you. Um, And if we can do that, and then I think it, 
it will it will make a difference you know we're not going in to scrutinize every time um and just to sort of pick you up on something you said earlier the create i mean the take of the pictures of work is just mad I'm not, i don't that, i'm speechless i mean i i was gonna sort of mention a story where we you know we we had someone from the dfe come into one school and i won't mention which one and they found a set of books that hadn't been marked for a whole term or something like that and that sparked a complete knee-jerk reaction we had three different colored stickers in the book um and it what what I found was that SLT would come in and they would look down and they'd be looking at the books and they wouldn't look up at what I was doing. And this happened again and again because every there's a three-week cycle. It was class teacher feedback and then it was peer uh, assessment and then it was self-assessment and you had to follow this three-week rotor. But when they come in, they, they weren't even looking at what was happening in the class. And that was a real low point for me. I thought, what are that you know what are we doing they come in and just looking at the books they're not even interested in what's happening in the classroom so this idea of scrutiny was was always for me again in that period of time that i think we've both pointed out where teaching lost its way a little um scrutiny was the problem wasn't it people associated someone being in the classroom with scrutiny and even the students did too um, and we've got to shift that mindset away from the fact that someone coming in is scrutinising and over to the fact that that person is supporting. Well, that, that's made me think. So my very, very first Teachers Talk radio show uh, back in December was uh, I did the CPD bug and I talked about whether you had it or not and whether that was the key to kind of engaging teachers and having longevity in teaching was um, to actually get people really engaged in it. And one of my friends came on at the end and they were um, had started this new concept. Uh, it's a company, I won't mention it. Um, but um, they basically, you pair people up with other people and they have a school concept. So theirs was like cold calling and everybody does it, but the, they would go and monitor each other. So they would go pop in and watch somebody's lesson for 10 minutes and then feedback and it was all this system and and if heads of department or senior leadership wandered around and happened to see somebody doing it they can kind of make a little comment and it will ping up to their head that somebody has seen somebody in their department doing it. and it created this real kind of positive culture of going into each other's lessons and kind of sharing this good practice as opposed to it being somebody's going in and looking and you're going to get punished if you're not doing it and I think it's and I, I think they've been doing it four or five years now that school they're one of the pilot schools for this wow. um, thing and my school's going to start it in September so I put my hand up to do it but I think my school only wants to do it with trainee students and early career students and I'm just like no it needs I feel it needs to be everyone piles in um Mm. but I do I do think that's quite an interesting concept I think it'll be interesting to see whether it actually has an effect and and changes the way we look at it but I think it is it is that it's getting it needs to be a positive sharing experience but also it's that difficult thing of, of as a head of department as well, it's like, oh, SLT have, have said that our, our focus is cold calling this year. We've all got to do it. And then you get the groan, oh, here's, here's another fad that's mm. coming in and, and oh, people yeah. that not want to do it. You need to have that thing that's going to, you're going to have, you need to, if you're going to deliver it to your department, you need to be positive about it. Because <laughs> if you go in going, oh, we're at it again, um, yeah. you're going to engage the department, but also you've got to kind of, lead by example but also try and find a positive way of doing it and like you said earlier try Mm. and find a way that it will adapt to your subject and work for your subject so they can see how to implement it properly i I I think that is a key because i think there was a lot of 
you know, and <laughs> maybe I should sort of admit a little bit to this as well at times. I think this, there has been an element of SLT have said, here's what we've got to do. And, and there's a, an element of eye rolling when you're in that, in yeah. that faculty it wasn't me. meeting. It didn't come yeah. So now, you know, it, we, I'm, I'm glad we've moved away from that now because again, we, I think we've got that buy-in, but you know, I do agree having that. And most teachers I find do want to show off their practice. Um, I mean, if I have a, a member of staff who who wants to go for any reason and look at some other teaching around the school, different you know different faculties, it's people want to show. People are happy to say, "Yeah, come into my lesson, come and watch the lesson." Um, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'd be one of those people. Maybe I need to be better. But I do. Uh, people are quite happy for for others to come in and have a look at what they're doing. So I don't think it would create a huge a, a huge shift. Certainly, to see it, it's very interesting to see what other faculties do because it's very different. You know that a PE lesson is very different from you know a music lesson or a, an art lesson. Is it's you can take aspects of how they do that and, and use it in your own practice. But like like you said, we definitely need to get out and around the school. It's easier said than done, of course, but yeah, it it makes a lot of sense to me to do that. Right, I'm gonna. We've been we've been nattering on for fifty minutes already. Um, I'm gonna just play our news, and then we're gonna come back on to our second half. Oh, lovely. Okie dokie. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Evening Standard reports that the education expert who oversaw a 90% fall in school exclusions in Glasgow has been tasked with driving down exclusions in London. Maureen McKenna is a former Director of Education at Glasgow City Council and has been hired as a consultant by the VRU, with the goal of boosting inclusive education. According to the paper, McKenna's work saw fixed-term exclusions drop by 90% over 14 years, which also coincided with a 50% reduction in violence. Driving down exclusions is seen as important by many, and whilst less than 1 in 200 children in the UK are permanently excluded, the VIU says that almost one in two of the country's prison population were excluded as children. Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, said he welcomed Miss McKenna's appointment and McKenna herself said she was delighted to be part of the project. However, critics of the zero exclusion philosophy pointed out that schools only use suspension and exclusions in response to serious breaches of behaviour and discipline and that this new approach could make schools less safe for all. Schools Week reported on a new study which asked parents about the impact the pandemic had on children's social and emotional skills. 
The study by IFS and UCL's Institute of Education also noted that reception age pupils were amongst the worst affected. The experts concluded that there was no evidence that youngsters from disadvantaged families fared worse than their non-disadvantaged peers. However, they did stress that economic instability did have an impact on well-being. Children whose families' pre-COVID employment situation changed during or shortly after the pandemic were far more likely to be negatively impacted, even if parents didn't suffer any significant loss of earnings. Jeff Barton, General Secretary of School Leaders Union ASCL, said the research underlined the need for extra funding for children's services. He went on to say that combined with such as the cost of living crisis, COVID has taken a real toll on pupils' health and well-being. Barton made it clear that schools are doing everything they can to support pupils with both academic and emotional development, but are doing so in the face of budget challenges and lack of investment from the government in both education and children's services. The Guardian features comments from Russell Group that elite universities will turn away increasing numbers of UK students over the next few years, in favour of more lucrative international applicants. Tuition fees for home students have been frozen at £9,250 a year since 2017, but experts calculate that as a result of rising inflation, the real value has dropped to £6,000. This is significantly less than it costs to teach the average student. With the number of 18-year-olds in the UK continuing to rise, Leading universities say they won't be able to meet demands for British sixth formers without government support, or they will have to raise tuition fees. The Russell Group has estimated that universities will be losing an average £4,000 per year for every UK undergraduate they teach by next September. Universities have said the decline in the value of fees means they cannot meet staff demands on pay, despite facing five years of industrial action, including marking boycotts, which means some students will graduate without a grade this summer. Finally, a study by Myriad suggests that mindfulness in schools doesn't improve young people's mental health. The My Resilience in Adolescence, or Myriad project, investigated the effectiveness of a brief school-based mindfulness intervention in supporting the mental health of young people in secondary school pupils aged 11 to 16. The project spanned over eight years and involved more than 28,000 students, 650 teachers and 100 schools. Mindfulness in Schools project was taught by teachers to their students after completing the programme themselves. Although inconsistent practice was one reason mindfulness didn't work, there were other factors to consider, particularly looking at factors which contribute to poor mental health such as inequality and deprivation. The research also suggests that the treatment of mental health problems is best left to experienced and qualified mental health professionals, not teachers and schools. Full details of the study and its findings can be found by visiting the welcome.org website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Thank you for that lovely news. So on that one, they're obviously talking about well-being, and I know that's an area of um, kind of as a head of department that you're quite interested in. Uh, yes, definitely. Yes. What What do you think is our responsibility as a head of department in terms of your staff's well-being? Um, I think just having an understanding of 
of of where the situation that that member of staff is in really and and um like you said you, you mentioned earlier workload and obviously that the the work life balance so i think it is something that we need to take seriously and and not not just pay lip service to i think with well-being um because it is something that's that's so central to what we do and and i think as you've alluded to before it's something that staff are quite good at, at covering if if things aren't going quite so well i, I think it's something that w- that we've that we've developed as a as a survival strategy perhaps for our for the for the job that we do and to, to try and cover up those issues and 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 the fact that there's this fear that if we're seen to not have the best mental health that 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 sort of goes hand in hand with how well we do our job if if that makes sense um so i think in the past sometimes poor mental health has has led to staff being on various support programs when when actually that 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 potentially wasn't what was needed at, at that moment in time so i think it's just having that understanding of 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 where that member of staff is coming from having that sort of relationship with them where um you, you do have that sort of personal side to it and i think you you alluded to that earlier as well didn't you just that the fact that we are human beings and that that is very central to what we do um and i do think workload is a big part of that and i think confidence is a big part of that as well um, I think it it took me a really long time to realize that the world doesn't end if I stop working. Well, <laughs> like exactly. I, like if I decide one day every week I'm going to finish at three o'clock, like that's it's perfectly fine, and and the kids will still pass, and it's it's not have a massive <laughs> impact. I think I was I was oh a good very very heavily pregnant because I worked right up to my due date, and wow. um. I remember my deputy kicking me out of the school at 7 p.m. going, stop making resources for while you're away. (laughs) Like, it will happen. Like, that's the point of the maternity cover. They will pick up the pieces. You don't have to. Because I was head of curriculum enrichment and outreach, so I was trying to write, although I was an art teacher, I was trying to write the PSHE curriculum because we had three days off timetable where they did all the sex ed and politics and all that stuff. So I was trying to write every single lesson for all the teachers across the whole entire school for every kid whilst I was away um and he was just like just you need to stop and go home you need to stop this like it's it's not right that you're here so late so I think it's you have a responsibility as head department to kind of find the uh early careers teachers that are like busily beavering away to silly o'clock and be like no you need to go home and make sure your team are stopping and if they're not stopping kind of work out why like what are they not doing efficiently that means that they're still there at kind of five six o'clock at night like five days a week something's going wrong (laughs) yeah and i think you're right there um over planning um i think about my sort of lowest point when i did have some time um when i was finding everything very difficult and i think what i ended up doing was staying much later and just over planning and taking twice as long to plan a lesson than i really needed to and and i think there's there's a sweet spot there where you you can only sort of plan planning's important and that's drummed into us quite rightly when we start our, our training um but yeah like you say that there has to be that that balance doesn't there and sometimes you need somebody to get in your ear and just say yeah that you need to think about what you're doing you're doing a little bit too much and I think we do have a we do become workaholics don't we um 
and I think it is knowing it is knowing when to stop and when to when to when to switch off, isn't it? I suppose, especially like at this time of year, it's it's that balance of how much work do you do in the holidays so you're prepared and ahead of the game versus how much uh, is that going to take away from your holidays and you're going to get anxiety and, and not sleep before going back into school. It's, <laughs> it's that balance, isn't it? Which one's going to be the best for your mental health? And I guess everyone's slightly different. Um, and, and the same as like if someone's struggling in your department to get all their marking done, then by all means, as head of department, offer to help and sit and, and do it with them or then maybe you might find where they're going wrong or give them a better idea or help them. But at the mm. same time, I've made the mistake where, especially when I've had shared groups with other teachers, that I, I've gone, oh, they're really struggling. I'll mark it for them. And then suddenly <laughs> I've marked all the shared groups for the whole entire year. And I've done that for okay. SLT as well. I've had SLT that I've shared because they only don't do like five hours a week. And then I've ended up doing all their marking and all the reports for the <laughs> wow. shared group for the whole year. So oh, it, right. it's, it's yeah. that balance, isn't it, as a head of department? By all means, help, but don't hinder yourself either. Like, it's not your responsibility to do everybody else's work. So if somebody doesn't do something, I guess it's like that that kind of, we said, like, it's interesting. You've got to hold people accountable, but you've got to think nicely about the way you do it. But also don't don't fill the gaps where everyone else, if some, if people aren't, kind of doing what they don't do overdo your share if that makes sense yeah definitely yeah yeah I think you can do yeah you can end up doing a bit too much I mean what we've done before with members of staff is we've we've covered one of their lessons so that they can go and do some marking so um I think there's different ways of doing it and obviously fundamentally looking at the the policy whether it's a workable policy as well um yeah I mean for some people the the working is sort of a coping mechanism isn't it i do think you have some teachers who you need to let them do feel like they're fully planned so it yeah it it's a real balance and, and everyone does things a little bit differently don't they as well and you've got to sort of um allow for the fact that some people will plan to the nth degree and some people um maybe will be a little bit more flexible let's say once um and, and there's no right or wrong way to do that, really. Um, so you've just got to let people be themselves. and But also, obviously, you've, you've got to make sure that uh, they're, they're being sensible about it, that they're, that, they're meeting, that they're meeting, obviously, those basic expectations. Um, but it's just knowing the team really well, isn't it? The, the better you know them, the, the easier that is to do. And I guess also it's like that kind of get to know them as people as well find out a little bit about them like uh, kind of like it goes a mile if you if I remember I had a free period and somebody wanted to go watch their uh, kids school play but they didn't want to because it was year 11 I'm like well I'm free I'll come teach them and they're not going to miss out and it's it's kind of that that well-being thing of kind of boosting your team and making them see see that they're human as well I think you talked about um earlier in terms of how to kind of manage that and how to give feedback as opposed to it being regimented but we never quite got into it what what's the best way of kind of feeding back to your team um are feeding back in terms of individual feedback or feeding back yeah should we we go individual first let's go individual um i'm not really i'm not really sure um it's it's just a case of I think what how how can you strike that balance between meeting 
you know, giving giving them a target that's that's going to help them, um, but not something that that's going to then impact too much on their on their confidence. Um, and I found that people who who needed who needed support, confidence is a sort of quite a big aspect of it. Really, um, it's not sort of lack of wanting to work hard that that's the problem or anything like that. So I think it's just. Um, doing it in a way where you you are giving them something that that that's sort of a smart target if you like something that's going to be achievable um to them within within a sort of a suitable period of time kind of thing and and to give them actual real life ideas about what the, what they can change so not just you know don't just say something like you need you need more questioning in your lesson but how can they do that something that they something that's not a very general comment but something that they can actually try that, that's actually going to make a difference for them if that makes sense yeah no I completely agree with you I know uh, I think I think I think it's you Tom that's listening and, and Nathan they do a end of year room 101 of teaching things and I think that's one of the things that should go in into the <laughs> is, is uh, like targets that are based on grades especially with results coming out tomorrow because because you're not responsible of that how that child is going to be in that moment of that exam how they're sitting you don't know like if something happened the day before and, and to be held responsible is really difficult because it is down to the students so I always think targets shouldn't be kind of based on kids results but like you said they should be smart so they should be measurable you should be able to for them to show you evidence that they are able to do what you set them um so I think it's it's that balance isn't it of getting the right target and it being personal for them but achievable and something that they're kind of motivated to do yeah exactly and i, I think yeah them seeing that, that it's achievable is a, is a really big part of that um as well isn't it um but yeah i, I agree with you in terms of the, the data driven target um and obviously schools do things differently we we do have as part of our policy, our school, that there has to be. Um, and we did no, we did actually drop completely the the performance related target in the end. I know that some schools they, they always use the word in to work towards, yeah. Um, so or develop towards. So it's not a, a hard target, if you like. Um, obviously, we we need to take results into account. But it seems again that there's been a little bit of a shift, and I don't know whether this is my imagination, but the shift seems to be back towards teaching and learning again. That they've moved the focus very slightly away. I mean, Ofsted, if I dare mention them, um, seem to, <laughs> seem to have moved their focus away from outcomes as well. So I think it's another another thing that says to me that a little bit of common sense is coming back into into the profession in terms of that. Um, I don't know if you agree think, with that. Yeah, I do. And I was going to say, I don't know. I don't know whether you have this in science, but because um, obviously your your targets will be quite uh, correct for kind of year six results. Whereas for me, my my students' GCSE target is based on how well they did at like English and maths in year six. So it's just not transferable. So if you're in a department where those kind of things don't work, it's really important to be the voice uh, and explain that to SLT and be like, no, I need to change these and I need to move them. And if I think for me, it was a big turning point to understand the data, but also negotiate it with SLT and be like, right, well, if I put X number 
like down by a grade I will I, I will put more up by a grade because that's where their abilities lie but it's not going to end up being the pretty picture that they exactly think it is but I will get them the same results and I think for me learning as a head of department to read data was so important so I was so focused when I first became a head of department on making sure like all my twos became threes and my threes became four and I came so focused on that bottom end and those kids weren't ending and they weren't engaging and they had all this other mm. stuff going on and they were really really hard work but actually if I sat and focused on my fives and sixes and got them up to sixes and sevens that had that was a way easier task to get them there and, and involved far less effort and had much bigger impact so I think it's being yeah. clever with your intervention and and not always yeah. thinking it has to be the bottom ones thinking about like your higher ones as well and where your easy wins are like who's like literally mm. a couple of marks off but actually if you embed something they're going to nail that and be able to like succeed and go up a couple of grades and I think that's quite a a, a thing of having had a department that you kind of you do need to kind of be able to understand that and read it and see where your wins are and have and see where you're they're doing that in terms of your department I guess um, perhaps with science like for me I've got different I've got textiles I've got 3d I've got photography I've got art so I've got different strands so it's like where are the same students that are doing the same ones not performing as well in each one they where it should be relatively consistent so you can you can see errors kind of perhaps in the way things are being taught easier and then you can kind of work out where your intervention is rather than it necessarily being on that snapshot of that lesson observation on that one term that you're kind of you are using the data to kind of support it if if you see something that's not working you've got that backup or if it's vice versa that lesson could look absolutely perfect because they're really good at performing but actually something's Mm. not working and perhaps also mm. using that student voice and kind of speaking to the students and being like, have you learned this? How have you learned this? Like, and, and making sure that things are being taught properly within your department as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting you should mention that because I think um, when I started at the school I'm at now um, with, with the 11 to 18, I really felt that change in the... Um, the subject knowledge of the teachers I really felt like I was going into a school where the subject knowledge was better because it was an 11 to 18 school and and I felt like that standard was higher just simply in terms of subject knowledge um having taught at a school where I was head of department there was only five of us in the department and one of those people was me so it was a very small department um we weren't really we were only teaching one um subject triple science so actually i think the sort of subject knowledge is so important um and i very and i really did feel that difference when i moved to a school that was much bigger because then we've got heads of subject so you know you've then got a head of physics that's got a brain like a like a blimp and you know they know every they know their subject inside out and and you really feel that difference kind of thing um but and I also agree with what you're saying on the intervention and interventions an interesting thing because you have got to look at where the impact's going to be haven't you um and generally the the list of students once you look at your data and you look at the students who are furthest below where they should be it it tends to be the same sorts of students and it's quite a few of those students if we're honest 
aren't really necessarily going to engage with the intervention are they so yeah. then you've got you've got to be quite clever about as you've said where you know impact is the word isn't it where are you going to have the most impact which group of students um are more likely to engage with that intervention obviously when are you going to do the intervention because if it is going to be students who aren't likely to turn up because they don't have that parental support you might need be needing to look at how you're going to use your curriculum time in in a in a creative way um to, to try and build that intervention into your curriculum plan as well if that's a, a possibility um so yeah i mean data isn't really my strong point if i'm completely honest um but I, and, I, and I do sometimes think people get a little bit sort of caught up on data a, a little bit too much. But obviously, you know, identifying those students and having ways to support them, um, you know, it is all important, isn't it? And it's just being creative enough to, to have that intervention and, and to make sure, again, it doesn't impinge too much on the, on the work-life balance of the staff. Um, I think it's that, isn't it? You don't want to, it's 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 especially with early careers teachers and and stuff within your department that they perhaps might not clock that that Jimmy in their class who's not doing so well and it's really really no matter what they're doing is not working and he's mm. not attending an intervention. That's because Jimmy's being pulled to English, science, maths, <laughs> geography yes, exactly. intervention on all the other days, and Jimmy's exhausted and bored and clocked <laughs> out and just wants it to be over. Um, and I think it's kind of not getting disheartened when it doesn't work out but really kind of what is the like you said what is the best use of your intervention time it, like it's probably mm. not kind of hammering them for two hours every monday all year like work out what's going to work best and work as a team like i think our science department kind of split it up they did each of them different different revision sessions on their speciality but any kid from any of their classes could come to it um that was when they were on study leave so the kids could come in and do those sessions if they wanted to um but it it wasn't like all those teachers are running those sessions just for those classes like it is it is a group effort and like you said it's that work-life balance of what's going to kind of have the most impact with the least amount of effort basically yeah definitely and it's yeah the the easy wins are all important, aren't they? But um, yeah, as you say, I think we did a similar thing within our faculty. We, when we had our year eleven release time, we had a timetable. The students were aware, and, and we did have some arrive. And but we did have a surprising number of students who regularly would turn up for after school revision. Um, and sometimes you get uh, certain students who you wouldn't expect. Sort of sometimes the more vulnerable students are coming along because they want to. Yeah. I think sometimes they just want somewhere to go, um, but but they're but they're also interested to try and in, in you know to get involved as well. So yeah, it's a tricky one. It, intervention is a tricky one, isn't it? To try and find something that works and uh, that's effective. I mean, we've we've trialled recently using um, online quizzes and then trying to drill down into areas of our curriculum where students are struggling and then look to build an intervention lesson into the, the curriculum plan. Um, so there, you know, there's lots of different ways you, that you can do that, obviously. So it's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's trying different things, isn't it? And, and, and finding something that's, that works. And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and I think that goes across kind of the way that we teach things like there's different things and giving things a, a go and not being afraid to 
try something with your department and try a different methodology like it might not work but you give it a go and not being afraid to kind of yeah. take those risks as well as a head of department don't just sit in your comfortable little box being like we're teaching the same lesson that we taught for the last five uh, years we're good it's, you, yeah it's, it's good to kind of mix it up and, and spice it up should we say the teaching well absolutely and and we did something similar along those lines um oh, i don't know when it was uh, a few months ago we we did some pd and i remember doing that typical teacher thing where our head of faculty said right we're gonna the heads of subjects so we've got a head of physics a head of biology and, and um head of chemistry and on alternate weeks for three weeks they're going to do a little workshop with the whole faculty and i remember thinking at the time that typical teacher thing oh there's other stuff we need to do we got to finish marking these exams or whatever we could be using the time for that so even even i had that negative thought but i went in and i and i saw our subject leads deliver these these little workshops and and I, my mind was blown there was all little tricks and things that they'd come up with that i wouldn't even have thought of so actually yeah i, I think you're right sometimes the the how that is being delivered so we get into that that rut don't we that mindset that day-to-day -day groove where we do do our lessons in a similar way and and there is you know the, that's not always a bad thing. We find something that's effective and we, and we stick to it and we know it inside out. But sometimes we're missing a trick because we've, we're surrounded by professionals who have probably got excellent ways of delivering a lesson that, that we don't know about. So it, it's trying to just get that, informa you know, that, that information across, isn't it? That those ideas, which is sometimes a time issue, but if you can do that and if you can teach a lesson well, then that's going to then have implications for those students making progress isn't it and i suppose that's a, the thing as well as it, as a head of department it's important to like kind of promote your teachers to go on cpd to go elsewhere to go visit other schools and and kind of bring back that and it's not it's not just our responsibility as head of departments to go on those courses and then try and feed it back and but it's, it's important mm. to kind of engage them in it i like i'm very passionate i think I think it's really important that teachers kind of look outside of their classroom and look elsewhere and see what other people are doing. So you know that kind of you're on the right track and, and also know what's going on and, and you get to see those things that other people are trying that you can take back. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I do think that's a really powerful thing and just something that we don't, I don't know, it just sort of gets forgotten about, doesn't it? It's almost like it's too obvious. <laughs> Um, you know, what, what are we actually physically doing in those lessons when we're with those students? Um, and we all assume that everyone's doing, well, I'm, I'm sure everyone is doing a really good job, but all of those ideas when they come together, the best CPD I think I've had is when just other colleagues have come together to, to discuss ideas and thrash something out. And, that, and, and that's when I think teachers are the, the most effective when they do come together and, and share those ideas. And I think like, and and it's the praising of of good things as well that you see within your department. I think, kind of, it's really important to be organised and have like your agenda and and go into your department meetings like ready and and know what you're going to talk about, know what you're going to discuss, kind of know what dates people need to be aware of. Do <laughs> remind your department when the report deadline is due. Because we, all, <laughs> yeah. we all ignore it and then it arrives really quickly or remind mm. them kind of when parents evenings and things are and have they 
I don't know, we have online systems and if you forget to block it out, you end up having, they, parents could have booked anything oh, within four yeah. hours if you didn't put your two-hour slot in. Um, yeah. kind of just little things like that. You're, you're kind of, I always think of you like, you're the, you're the nagging mum at the department. Like you need to kind of just remind me. Yeah. It's being also, ahead. <laughs> you just got to be ahead of the game all the time, haven't yeah. you? And and the other little fit, the other little trick I always used to use was trying to make sure. I know this may sound a little bit like you know mother and father and children, but making sure they've got less excuse. So I used to yeah. actually timetable when I was going to do my book looks. I'm going to say, right, here's when I'm going to do my book looks. Here's when we're doing the assessments. So right, here's where you've done the assessments. I'll expect you to be marking them. But then two weeks after that. I'd expect you to be maybe marking some, you know, looking at your books again or thinking about your, your, the feedback in your books. And obviously I don't want to get into feedback because that's a whole other, that's a whole other discussion, isn't it? But I think it, you're then showing them that, that that's when you would expect them to be doing it. Someone might come to me and say, oh, you're looking at my books. I've got all these tests to mark. And I think, well, actually, if you'd have followed the schedule, you'd have found that you would have had an opportunity to do that. So um, so that's another thing I used to do. Uh, and I always thought, you know, I used to show the staff the calendar um, for the term or for the whole year and say, right, here's when here's when we're doing our assessments. Here's when I need the data in by. And it's if you can be ahead of the game, and, and you have to be, don't you, as a head of department, you know, if, if there's a, a new assessment that needs to be printed and then quality assured and then sent to Reprographics, if... You've you've got to constantly be, you know, several weeks ahead of everybody else, haven't you? Uh, and and that's part of it, just sort of trying to stay ahead of everyone. And I think it's that thing you don't want. You're not trying to catch anybody out. You don't want them to be like, well, you never told me that. Like so, exactly. They need to have accountability, and you can be like, well, I told you here, here, and here, and here, uh, um, and you've because I've reminded you here, here, and here these were your opportunities to come tell me if there was a problem and we could have solved it together. And it's, it's, it's that you want to give them those opportunities to be like, Oh, I'm going to struggle to meet that deadline because I'm moving house and yes. I'm not going to be able to mark at home. And, and if by doing that, you're kind of creating this narrative that there's, there isn't of keeping them organized and making sure everyone hits the deadlines when they need to hit it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just like you say, it, it, it is a balancing act, isn't it? You know, you want to, you know, you want to praise. And, and you touched on something that, again, that I fully agree with. And it, and it doesn't take much, just to, a little bit of praise. Um, just And <laughs> without being um, patronising, obviously, but you might just say, look, you did a really good job with that, you know, um, with that little that little homework task on what you do. Or just anything like that. Or I notice you're doing a really good job of your starter. I really like that starter you did. Um, and little things like that. It, you don't forget it. I remember my head of department once telling me um, that he thought I was one of the most effective teachers in the faculty, and it was just one little comment. And and I was yeah. riding, I was riding high on on this one little comment. So I don't think we should ever sort of um, underestimate the impact that a little bit of positive feedback has. I think it, it's 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 that, and you can kind of twist it as, as well. And if you if you don't have the energy to go around and do it, there's times there's different ways of doing it, isn't there? I guess that you could get them all to set bring in one bit of work that they, that really surprised them from a student, and 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 look at that. And then like we have a parent bulletin, so I always try and make sure that somebody from my department's work is in there because 
um, I think it's really important that a my department's seen and b that like we're promoting the good work that we're doing and and teaching mm. is really really tough and I and like I agree with what you said earlier like specifically since COVID it is very very tough so it's important to celebrate the wins and and even if it's being like look at what so and so wrote compared to like what you did at the beginning of the year mm. and it's it's share the successes as a department as well as like the venting of when it's difficult (laughs) you you need to do play yeah that that's it and and yeah i I mean even the venting as well even the venting that there's a place for that but even that's a balance isn't it you want some venting you want some opportunity for people to get things off their chest but then you've got to make sure that doesn't become a toxic situation as well so it just feels like a balancing act just everything about managing it's very much a balancing act, but you know, I, I have to say, I do really enjoy it. I, I do enjoy, enjoy the challenge of managing people and um, sort of fe- feeling that that you're making a difference to people, really. And it is, it, it is that it's it's saying thank you to your team, isn't it? So they feel valued, and I think like you, people will work harder when they feel like it's appreciated. Um, oh, and same 100%. as like on my previous previous show for anybody in the summer holidays that want to go listen to it um, I actually had a life coach on and we were talking about habits and uh, we were talking about actually that that if you take a break and recharge you're likely to come back and produce better work in a short amount of time than if you struggle through it and I think sometimes it's us as head of departments that need to say to somebody stop have a break and then come back to it because it, mm. it is there's definitely times in the year where you kind of plow on and plow on plow on and you can you, you as head of department should be able to see when kind of the well-being of your teachers are perhaps struggling and and you can be the key to that but also that that kind of picked me up like my I remember I said oh, I'll give her a shout out Laura um when we had Ofsted turn up she had already planned these little baskets of goodies so we literally came into school and we had these little and it was like um don't uh, what's those keep calm and carry on it's only Ofsted kind of postcards and we had chamomile tea to help us sleep the night before we had a little miniature bottle of wine for when it was over um oh, we had some it. chocolate to keep us going when we ended and it was it was very and it, like a pen that works just in case and it's like it, it was so thoughtful and she'd obviously clearly all planned it because it was there the day, like the day we had the call we had it before that before they came in oh wow um, imagine that level and she of had it in her office that prepared yeah. Um, but I guess it's just it's like, being seen as a teacher and not like and, yeah. and it goes both ways as well in terms of and praising SLT like I always make sure that I yeah. kind of give a Christmas gift to SLT because actually when you're at the top you generally just get moaned at and I think that kind of yeah goes down as well so it's it's kind of make sure your team is kind of feeling appreciated appreciated I can't speak now um and the the good work is 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 kind of praised i guess well it goes a long way doesn't it i mean like you say even you know praising slt i'm sure it's not a job i've ever done and and, and i'm sure it like you say there's, there's a lot of negativity comes your way so a little bit of and it doesn't take much does it one little comment um i always yeah, make like, a habit oh, i really enjoyed that meeting yeah it, it's yeah it's... i really liked what you did and i think it really is appreciated in it and it's remembered and that's the thing it, it stays with you doesn't it? it like i said what what my head of department said to me that that was many many years ago 15 years ago it's always stayed with me though um so 
it, it doesn't take much to, to sort of make a really big difference, does it? And, and that's something I always try to do. If someone's come to help me with a particularly di- uh, challenging student, I'll always send an email and say, Look, really, um, thank you for your support earlier today. Really much appreciated. So, yeah, I don't think I'm quite organised at the level of, of having a little basket of goodies, though. <laughs> I, I'm starting to feel a little bit <laughs> like I need to up my game. Well, we, we knew it was imminent. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we were in new school, so we knew they were coming. So oh, we knew wow. it would be that year at some point. Um, oh, but, yeah, I've, 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 we've, we've been chatting almost for an hour and a half. As I say, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you. I feel like um, we have kind of found, to discuss the kind of, the old school negatives, um, but we've kind of also discussed the new positives about teaching. Um, and hopefully we've given some people some really great tips on how to be a middle leader and, and the things I really to hope think so. about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I really hope there's something in, in all that rubbish that I was talking that somebody can pick something out that will help them. Um, but yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it, Hannah, anyway. So thanks ever so much. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you for joining me. Hopefully, I'll have you on another show at some point. Oh, excellent. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely I come hope back. Starting at your new school in September goes well. And I'm sure they will have a great middle leader on their hands. Yeah, so, thank um, you so much. Enjoy the rest of the holidays. Yes, you too. You too. There's still a little bit to go. So we're not quite, yeah, we've got a little bit, a little bit of time to go still, haven't Always we? There. It's actually quite like <laughs> summer this week as well, which has been nice. Yeah, thank you so much. Nice nice to speak to you. Nice, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.